Welcome to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. This is a special episode. We are going through the Fielding Bible Award winners for the NPB and the KBO. And we're going to talk to different people about each of those. We're going to start with the NPB. We're going to have a segment with Bobby Scales talking about uh, playing defense in Japan, which I think is going to be pretty cool. And then we're going to talk to Ted Barda from SIS. He was one of the voters for the KBO Fielding Bible Awards. We welcome in John Gibson of the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast, co-hosts that podcast with Jim Allen. John has joined us in the past to review the Fielding Bible Awards, and I will allow him to say the names. We will start with the NPB's Fielding Bible winners. John was a voter. Jim was a voter. A number of other baseball writers, English-speaking media members were voters. John, take it away. All right. Well, thanks. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, hope to have you on my show as well again. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to start w- as you listed them, starting with the catcher, and that was Ryutaro Umeno. And then at first base was Daichi Suzuki. And at second base, Shuta Tonosaki. And then at third base, Hisanori Yasuda. At shortstop, Sosuke Genda. In left field, Haruki Nishikawa. In center field, Masayuki Kuwahara. In right field, Yuki Okabayashi. At pitcher, Kodai Senga. And the multi-position player was Taisei Makihara. All right, so a lot of different things to discuss here. And I want to start in the middle infield. Those are kind of prime positions for defensive runs saved. Sosuke Genda has now won the Fielding Bible Award for Japan twice at shortstop in the three-year history of the award. Uh, He saved 20 runs with his defense this year. Just for major league comparison, that's major league shortstops do that. We say that that's a gold glove season. That's excellent. And Shuta saved 26, which is fantastic at second base. Just tell us a a little bit about them. Well, Tonosaki for me uh, is a really underrated player. I don't even think the fans of Cebu really appreciate what he does. And they, when he started, they put him in outfield and they put him in various positions and he just seemed to thrive at second base. But not only that was the place that I think was best suited for him, but he really showed defensively that he could play the position and has really formed an excellent combo with Sosuke Genda at shortstop. And he's not, you look at him and you don't think he's the greatest defensive player. You know, he's not the fastest runner. You don't think he has the greatest range. But I can tell you that when the ball's hit, he has great anticipation. He's all over the field, left, right, coming in on balls. And he just makes plays and doesn't throw the ball around. You know, if he doesn't have a play to make, he doesn't often just throw it. So that's the best thing I can say about him. And then with Genda, I think if you lined him up with a bunch of major league shortstops, I think, you know, I think scouts would say, no, he's too small. No, he probably doesn't have the arm strength. No, I don't like the way he throws. No, 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 no. And then you look at the the numbers and he just seems to be he's always moving. He seems to be moving with every pitch. So every, you know, how the count determines what maybe what his pitches are going to throw it. And he seems to know all those things. And he's all over the infield, constantly moving. And he's just in the right position. And then you see him go to his right. You see him go to his left. He's really fast. He can throw. And he's just a marvel. I I don't know why he didn't win the gold glove this year. I, I, before we started recording, I said, it's voter fatigue that they just said, well, you know, we've been there. We've seen that we've done that. Let's, let's let someone else have a chance. And I'm like, no, no one has the chance. Right. Our people know better. (laughs) Or I shouldn't say that. I I would say our people know well, and we rewarded Ginda and Tonosaki. Congratulations to them, both from the Cebu Lions. Corner infielders, Suzuki and Yasuda. 
with Daichi Suzuki, you know, he's kind of a part-time player. He was a good third baseman. I think he played some shortstop as well before in his career. And then he went to the Eagles and hasn't really had that much opportunity to play. But again, he's a guy who, when the ball is hit, he's going to attack and he's not going to lose to, you know, he's not going to be waiting back and seeing where the ball's bouncing. He's always going to be on the attack. He has good hands at first base. So that allows him, because he used to play middle infield and because he played third base, that allows him to, you know, understand where the ball's headed, where how to approach those high choppers and things that you get in plays that you get at first base. I would say maybe his weakness might be getting those one hoppers from infielders, but he'll tackle the ball and he'll he'll make enough plays at first for, to save you. So I don't, I don't mind him getting the award. I, I'm, you know, more concerned about his range. I don't think he has a great range. But yeah, he did enough to to obviously earn this award with the numbers, so that that's good. And then at third base, Yasuda again, I, I haven't really seen him play a lot of third base in person because of the COVID situation over the past two seasons. So from what I saw on TV, really soft hands. He is not one of those players who at third base is always running and 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 flopping his arms all over the place trying to knock down balls. He's really smooth in that respect. He, you know, he seems to be able to read balls off the bat really well. And so he's not just floundering out there. He's really good and really stable. But I, I, I again, I haven't since I haven't seen him in person, I, I won't flop too much uh, praise on him because I think there were some other players who probably were better, but he was pretty good. Let's move to the outfield. Left field, center field, and right field. I know that you like the center fielder and a lot of fans like the center fielder, as we've learned on Twitter. Tell us about Masayuki Kuahara. Well, Kuahara isn't the most gifted athlete out there of all of the guys I've seen this year. And he will wrestle and fight with a ball, you know, as it's in the air or whether it's it's heading toward the gap on the bounce or something like that or playing it off the wall, whatever he has to do. He, he's just a fighter out there. He, he doesn't look like he's the smoothest guy, but he'll make enough plays. And then uh, especially with the balls in the air. He has enough speed. He can cover ground. It's really good. And he's got a really good glove. And he made some diving plays this season just on a number of occasions where you just thought watching on TV on a monitor, you just thought there's no way they're going to he's going to have a chance to make this play. And yet he comes up with it. So he has been really good in that respect. And then the corner outfielders, Aruki Nishikawa and Yuki Okebayashi. So Nishikawa, uh, you and I talked about him on my show this past season when he was just exploding all over the place. And this is a guy who played, you know, center field a lot. He's played some infield a little bit with the fighters before he went up to or down to the Eagles in Sendai. So he is just a smooth uh, operator out there, just, you know, never running. And especially because he was a, a center fielder before you put him in left field where, you know, <laughs> basically guys who are unathletic go to just bide their time until the team can get them to the plate again so they can have it at bat. And he's actually a, a pretty good athlete out there in left field. And it's no surprise that he had a really good UZR numbers. He had really good fielding percentage and all that stuff because he's an outstanding athlete, even at 32 going on 33. But uh, I kind of question the arm and those kinds of aspects of his game. But really good, solid player who, uh, again, if you see him playing out there, you think, why is that guy in left field? He, he has a lot of athletic ability. So that's what I could say about him. As far as Okabayashi, he was a center fielder in the minors when he was tearing it up offensively for the Dragons. And they said, well, we need to bring him up. But we have an established center fielder who, in his own right, has won some awards here. So 
we'll just put him in right. And of course, you put a really young athletic center fielder in right, he's going to run all over the place, make a lot of plays, get to a lot of balls in front of him, get to a lot of balls in the gap. And he has enough of an arm to make a difference out there in terms of getting guys. Maybe they think he can't make the throws to, you know, from if you're trying to get to first to third, from first to third on a single to right. He can get that ball, you know, to the to the cutoff man quickly or throw it across. If You know, if it's a shallow throw, shallow spot in the outfield, he can get the ball to, to right to third base in a timely fashion. And he's accurate and all those things. So. Really fast player, up and coming guy. This was really the first time he played an entire season on the first team. So impressive that he's put up some really good defensive numbers as well. Nishikawa and Okabayashi were both unanimous selections by our, our Fielding Bible Awards Committee, and Sosuke Genda was as well. So behind the plate, the catcher will do catcher, pitcher, and multi position to wrap it up. Umeno, very strong behind the plate, really good defensive run save numbers for him. What should we know about him? Umeno, you know, he's he's really good at the little things, uh, not just calling the game and stopping pitches in the dirt. And I don't know if your defensive run save uh, include that, but he's really good at stopping pitches in the dirt and, and not having those issues with balls getting past him to the backstop. And then as far as him darting out and, and collecting bunts and dribblers and th- things like that really really good he he finds a really good throwing angle he has a strong arm those things i don't think people associate sometimes with uh with the catcher and his feeling but you have to be able to get out of that crouch get to the ball call your pitcher off and a lot of times these catchers are setting the infield so they're telling people where to go what to do and where to throw and all those things so he, he can do all those things multitask in an instant so that's what i noticed about him he rated very, very well when it came to defending bunts. He also rated very well when it came to pitch framing. And you mentioned pitch blocking. He rated all right in that as well. So that's our catcher. Our pitcher is MLB prospect, Kodai Senga. Kodai Senga. And uh, that was kind of a surprise to me because I thought there were other guys who might have been uh, smoother fielders. But Senga is one of those guys who I, I think... Because he, he honestly, because he has been in and out of the on and off the roster, let's say, with various injuries that you don't get a sense of what he can do because he's not out there week after week after week throughout the season. But when he is out there, you do notice that when someone puts down a bunt or he has to go and cover at first for some reason or he has to make a throw or he has to make a play that he's really good at, he doesn't panic. He's very under control, poised and all those things. But yeah, it's, it's again, I think pitcher defense and you'll probably agree with me. This is one of the least noticeable things on the field because yeah. you're watching everything else. And when a guy makes a play, you're like, oh, that was a pretty good play, especially, you know, for a pitcher getting the bunt or the dribbler that's headed down the third base line. And then depending on if you're a left a left handed pitcher or right handed pitcher turning and getting the throw, an accurate throw to first base in a hurry. And Kodai Senga is pretty good at that. I, I I remember a couple of plays he made, but there were other pitchers. I remember a few plays that they made, but it, it, Kodai Senga is really good, too. Nice. All right. And then multi-position. This is cool because I know you voted for this guy first. Taisei Makihara. Yeah, Makihara is a guy who, you know, middle infielder guy who came up. And again, he was on a team that's really talented, didn't really have a lot of opportunity to play so they started with what the soft bank hawks do which is hey look if you if you can play this position we'll put you in and so they started putting him in the outfield and 
you would there would be games where you come in from the outfield or go out from the infield into the outfield wherever they needed him to play and then he started to hit and started to do other things and then then we started noticing hey this guy you know he can pick it in the outfield he's pretty good and he made a few plays and a few that I'm recalling as I'm speaking to you now so on the run uh, he's a fast player can cover those gaps I don't I'm not sure about the arm but he, he was a middle infielder, so he can he can throw just enough to uh, maybe impress some people. And what I mean by that is is keep some runners at first base because they've seen him do something else. So yeah, he's probably not the 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 fastest or anything, but since he played these different positions, he's really good on the infield too. And I, I was really impressed with some of the plays he made on the infield. He, he, I, it's hard with these players who. Again, they, they, they're not really regulars, but they are regulars, but they're in the in and out of the lineup and, and at different positions. So it's hard to evaluate all the time. But the thing for me is I don't really rely on all numbers and I don't stare at UZR and fielded percentage and all those things. I like to get out to the ballpark and see how these guys move when the pitches, when the count changes and when the situations are different and where they stand at certain place, places when certain batters are up. If you know, it's different if you're. Yeah, you're out there trying to field when Otani is at the plate versus some of these slap and run guys. Where do they stand and how are they approaching? And so I like to see all these things. I haven't been able to do that during the COVID situation, but Macchiata did stand out during these things. It was extremely popular on our in the Twitter replies that we got. So it was neat to see the fan base really get psyched for their player being recognized for something uh, multi-position skill. I think that was a good idea on your yep. part to do the multi-position. I think that was excellent. Yep. Yeah, we've been doing that in the major leagues, and we felt it was apt to do. We've done it in Japan as well, and Korea, KBO, throughout. John Gibson, Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. And we're with SIS VP of Baseball, Bobby Scales, as we continue our coverage of the NPB and KBO Fielding Bible Awards. Bobby Scales played in Japan, our VP of Baseball, and I wanted to get his perspective on what defense looks like there to kind of educate people that might not be familiar. Hey, Bobby, what can you fill us in on? Mark, always a pleasure to be on with you. Defense in Japan. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm a big believer that our sports tend to, in some regards, can reflect our society. The, the Japanese society as a whole, these are broad brush strokes, but as a whole, it's a very prepared society. They're a very prepared people and everything they do, whether it be academically, whether it be in business, there's many, many meetings to go into anything actually happening. And it's no different on the playing side in Japan. You're going to have a boatload of you'll have individual defensive group meetings. So, for instance, the middle infielders will meet, the corner infielders will meet, the infielders will meet as a whole, the outfielders will meet as a, as a group, and then you will meet as a whole defensive unit. So it is a very prepared group of people. These these men take the preparation very seriously. And then uh, as far as physically, you will not outwork Japanese baseball players. It's just part of the culture. You won't do it. Good luck trying. Very, very, very prepared group of human beings to execute their jobs. And so it's a very, uh, in that regard, like I said, very prepared, extremely fundamental. They don't get beat on fundamentals. These guys do not beat themselves. The throws are, it just seems like everything they do over there is to the nth degree. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not perfect, obviously, because they make, because people make errors. I mean, you're human, but I just feel like the defense is, is, if it's a two hopper to shortstop, it's an out. If it's a two hopper to second baseman, it's an out. If it's a play, you know, that should be made, the play gets made. 
I venture to say at a higher rate than it does here in the United States. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just my eyeballs test of two years of, of having played over there. But it's I just think that the fundamental routine play gets made at an extremely high rate. Now, where the difference comes in is the the highlight real play or the play that involves some risk. A lot of times what you will see is is because maybe they don't they don't want to make a mistake or because they don't want to I, I don't know how to say it, how to look bad doing something. A lot of times the plays that are kind of these 50-50 plays or plays that have an extremely high degree of difficulties, they'll just play it safe and I won't say allow the runner or allow the hitter to get the hit or to make it to first base or what have you, but they will they will be much more on the conservative side of that. Case in point, you know, it's kind of you hate to talk stereotypically, but you know, if we if you've watched Mr. Baseball in the past and you see where there's not a lot of diving for balls or they don't want to make make the big mistake, you'll see balls fall in that possibly could have been you know play, a player could have dove for and caught. But ah, we didn't want we pulled off. We didn't want to make the mistake necessarily. So you'll see a lot of those about those types of plays defensively in Japan, whereas in the United States or guys with a more Western mentality, they may go for it depending on the situation. I know there was a particular play with me uh, my second year playing over there. I was playing left field for Oryx and it was a 50 50 ball in the gap in left center field. And I went for it and I dove and I made the play and it was like a big deal, like on the front page of the sports section the next day, because in, in a remember, I remember them asking me, you know, why did you why did you take that risk? And I was like, because I thought I could catch it. <laughs> it's a pretty simple answer. But again, things like that are taken for granted a little bit in the Japanese culture as a whole. And then obviously, again, games did a lot of study of this, not just in college, but but post co- my, my college days. But the games we play are really a kind of a reflection of our society uh, in a sense. And and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a conservative society and they play their games conservatively. And that that's reflected on the field in baseball as well. What about the fact that there's? It seems like there's a lot of slap hitters, right? Mm-hmm. And, all right. So how does that factor into how how defense is played there? Well, obviously, there's you know again, there's, it's not just numbers; it's, it's observation too. But like, there's a boatload more contact. The strikeout is it's it is very you know you you don't it's not accepted the way it is in in Western baseball and major leagues here and across the, the baseball industry in the West. So yes, there's a lot more ball, a lot more balls put in play, a lot more contact, a lot more balls put on the ground still. Whereas that's a big taboo thing. So, I mean, it's 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 just you get more work. You just, for lack of a better term, you just flat out get more work. And I think that they still play that brand of baseball. And so defensively, they they put a, a premium on guys who can catch the baseball. Obviously, you need to score runs to win. But, you know, also, too, if you if you and if you give people more than 27 outs on a regular basis, you're going to have a you know, you're going to stand a chance to lose the game more often than you should either way. So definitely in, in the practice and in the preparation, obviously, you're preparing for much more contact. In the time that you were there, who or what was the best defensive player or player that you ever saw? Best pl- defensive player, the guy that I liked the most. Uh, so I had there's cu- a couple. We had a, a third baseman. His name was Echi Koyano. This guy was an absolute magician at third base. I don't know if he won a feeling Bible back then. I'm sure we'll we'll find that out. We'll do some research if you were doing it back in 2011 for MPB or not, but this guy, I've never seen a guy just make more plays. Now, I will say this. He was kind of a maverick. He just did stuff differently. For example, the the backhand in Japan was treated like a dive is here. It's like your last resort. They try to, they, those those players are taught to try to get in front of everything. It's seen as a more safe way. It's seen as a more fundamental way. Well, Koyano, he was our third baseman and he would just backhand regular stuff right at him. It was a very unorthodox way of feeling, but once he got in his glove, 
I've never seen a more accurate thrower from third base to first base. And again, I don't know what the numbers say. I just know the sample size I saw the year I played with them and then the year I played against them the next year in Oryx. It was unbelievable. Don't hit it the third, you're out. The other guy, Nakajima from Cebu, he ended up coming over to the Oakland A's for a brief period of time. It did not work out for him. He was, I love the way he played shortstop. He played a very Western shortstop. He was not afraid to throw on the run. He was not afraid to try to make that Jeter play. He was not afraid to field balls with one hand. And it was very different than a lot of the shortstops and in, in infielders you saw in, in, in Japanese baseball at that time. And then uh, in outfield, first of all, the outfield was a whole different animal over there. I've never seen outfield arms as, as consistently accurate. These guys threw and they 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 threw and then they threw some more. And these guys would put one hop shots on every base every time. And it's because they practiced the skill. And that's one thing that when I came back, I went to work with the with the Los Angeles Angels as the farm director. And then eventually when I ended up handling the outfielders for the Pittsburgh Pirates in their minor league system, that was one thing that I wanted to harp on. There is There are outs to be had and there are shutdowns to be had. We call them shutting down extra nineties. If a guy gets a single, he gets a single. If he gets a if he gets a double, he gets a double. But what we're not going to do is not hit cutoff men, and we're not going to not hit. If we have to throw to the bases, we're going to hit one hop shots to the corner of the base. And the only way to do that is to practice throwing to a target that is you know a human target at a base every single day. And that's what I did the second year when I played more outfield than I did infield. That's what I did, and I got a a, a it was noticeably better. Can I put a number on it? No. But I know in my heart that it was it was way better than it was at any point in my career because I committed to it. I threw every day with these guys. But in the outfield, there was a guy, Daikon Yo, was on my team in Japan in, in 2011. I think he ended up after going from Nippon, uh, after I left uh, Japan, he ended up going from Nippon Ham to Tokyo Giants. But this guy was some kind of center fielder, athletic, could go get it, had an absolute cannon for an arm, accurate, and really was very, not only just instinctual with his routes and jumps, but he studied and he worked. He worked on the wall balls. He worked on the balls off the wall and throwing to the correct base and hitting cut. I mean, he worked at his craft. And again, I love guys like that. And he was a very, 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 very athletically gifted human. So I think that, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a different world, he could probably have come over here to the States. He actually was not, he was a, a non-Japanese player. He was, uh, I believe he was from Chinese Taipei but a tremendous, tremendous player and very, very physically gifted in the outfield. Bobby Scales, thank you for the education. Always a pleasure. And we're joined by operations analyst Ted Barta of SIS, our resident expert in all things KBO. We'll go through the Korean Baseball Field and Bible Award winners. We will start with a familiar name at the beginning, and we do things a little differently to accommodate, to follow the customs of the Asian countries, last name first. So player that we formerly knew as Byung-ho Park of the Twins, it goes by Park Byung-ho. He's the first baseman from the KT Wiz. He's the Fielding Bible Award winner there. Kim Hyseung of the Kiwoom Heroes is the winner at second base. Oh Ji-won is the LG Twins shortstop. He is the winner there. It was an all LG Twins left side of the infield with Moon Bo Gyeong as the winner at third base. That's your infield. Ted, your thoughts on those four? Yeah, I mean, obviously the best defenders in Korea. I know um, Kim Hyseung, who won at second base, former double play partner of San Diego's Ha Seong Kim. Their names being very similar, sometimes they get confused or the people watching get confused. But uh, I know 
the Kim still with Kiwoom, he had like slid into shortstop a little bit after Haseong Kim left. And then they found another shortstop to play there full time to slide him back to second. But yeah, he's a very solid second baseman. OG Wan makes some pretty nice plays. He's like, sometimes you'll see KBO shortstops don't necessarily have the arm to like go into the hole and make the throw across the diamond. He definitely does. So he makes a high percentage of the routine plays, but can occasionally make the more difficult, flashy plays as well. And obviously having two teammates who are very good defensively on the left side is very useful. And Park Byung-ho over at first, I think he was... The KT Wiz actually have like a pretty talented young first baseman in Kang Bak-ho. Talented offensively, his I know his DRS numbers that we've tracked have been pretty low. And I believe he dealt with some injuries this year too. So I think he was playing a bit more DH and spending some time on the sidelines, which allowed Park Byung-ho to slide in more at first base. And obviously, you know, in hindsight, that was a smart pickup for them. We move to the outfield. The LG Twins had five players selected as Fielding Bible Award winners. Hung Chang-Ki in right field, Park Hae-Min in center field. The left fielder, a familiar name to Major League Baseball fans, at least modestly familiar, particularly if you followed the Phillies, Yankees, or Padres, Jose Perea of Samsung is the choice in left field. Your thoughts on the outfield? Yeah, definitely the two LG guys, a lot of speed. You'll see in the outfield, again, route running can be a little hit or miss in the KBO, obviously, depending on who you're watching. But Park Heyman has a lot of speed. I know he's usually up there in like the stolen base list as well. This was his first year with LG. He had just come over from Samsung. So obviously, he adjusted well to new teammates, new ballpark, and obviously having another Fielding Bible Award winner playing right beside him in the outfield. I'm sure that also helps as well for the two LG guys. And then again, left field in the KBO, even in the MLB and pretty much every league, a lot of times teams are just trying to hide, hide a bat out there fairly often. So, you know, the bar can be relatively low, but I think Perea plays well out there. I think he has a pretty good arm for an outfielder in the KBO. So even if he doesn't necessarily have the range, you know, he has an arm to make up for that and. Again, with the bar for left field defense being somewhat low, that works for him. And I think he's bounced around the diamond a little bit for them, too, before settling in in left field. I think he'd played a few different positions before settling in there. So, you know, they they liked the bat and they found a home for it. So that worked out for him. All right, we'll move to the pitchers in a second. The pitchers, pitcher and the catcher, and the utility player. Let's start with the utility player, actually. Cho Yang-ho of the KT Wiz. So uh, KT having a couple of players, him and Park as the two selected. The pitcher, someone who is a pretty good pitcher, from what I understand, Wan In, And then the catcher is Yu Kang-nam. Of the players that we focused on among the Fielding Bible Award winners, Yu Moon-Bo-Gyong, and Hung were the three to have at least five runs saved at their respective positions. So they were kind of like the premier players. Five in KBO is kind of like 15 to 20 in MLB, and they were the premier guys. So your thoughts on the utility and the pitcher-catcher? Yeah, I'll start with the utility guy, Cho Young-ho. I think he mostly just played corner outfield. He bounced back and forth between left field and right field. For the most part, I think if, if you compare him to like MLB DRS numbers, it was like just like a hair below MLB average, which in the KBO is really good. Wante in is a very good pitcher. 
I think he has a pretty decent shot of pitching for the Korean team in the World Baseball Classic coming up. Maybe a more of a relief role. I don't know if he necessarily starts for that team, but he's a very good pitcher. And in doing some research for you the other day, I found out he's also very good at limiting the running game. I think he only had, he picked off six runners as a right-handed pitcher, which is pretty impressive. And teams like almost never tried to steal bases off him as well. So he did a great job like limiting the running game. Yu Kang-nam, the catcher, I think he had the highest DRS total, I think, of anybody in the yep. league behind the plate. It was like, I don't even think it was that close. But yeah, obviously, like, you know, just a steady catcher back there and obviously on a very good defensive team, sort of the field general there. And strike getting, that was the big thing, I believe, for him, as it is for most catchers who total very high numbers in defensive run saves. All right, the other thing that Ted has an expertise in for us is in player valuation, particularly as it relates to whether it's NPB or KBO players who might come over to the major leagues. So what do you got in this uh, free agent market that we should be thinking about? Yeah, there's three players from NPB who look like they at least have a chance. Obviously, some of them are more likely to sign than others. I'll start with the Fielding Bible Award winner at pitcher uh, Kodai Senga. I'm taking a bit of like a deeper look at him right now. He's got a really deep pitch mix, can throw very hard. I think we've seen him top out at 102 as a starter. I've seen him throwing 99 in the ninth inning. So he's he's got a power arm, and he can also like take off from his fastball fairly bit. He throws uh, what's known as a shuto occasionally. Basically, just throws a two-seamer, but spreads his fingers out a little bit more over the ball to take some speed off of it. So that'll like tail away from a lefty, and he can drop that down to like 88, 89. So you're getting like a wide range on the fastball. His best strikeout pitch is his splitter, also called his ghost forkball. That just drops off the table. It's a really good strikeout pitch. He throws like a cutter slider curve. None of them are like overly exceptional, but if he can figure out like how to mix them in to keep hitters off guard, that's where those will be useful. I think the main concerns with him are control. His control can come and go a little bit. Obviously, if a pitcher is very, you know, splitter dependent in NPB, MLB uses a different type of ball, and that's sometimes a pitch that pitchers will struggle with coming over from NPB to the majors. I think going back like Masahiro Tanaka is an example of someone who didn't always, you know, couldn't always get like a good grip on his splitter. He started throwing a change up occasionally towards the end of his time with the Yankees. So that would be something to keep an eye on. But you have, you know, a power arm who can start go deep into games. Obviously, you know, every team wants more starting pitching. So he's very useful there. On the offensive side, there's Masataka Yoshida, left field slash DH. I just published an article on him last week. He's surprisingly small in stature. Looking at his numbers, I was expecting him to be, you know, type of guy who, you know, the typical power hitting lefty, but he's, you know, 5'8", around 175 pounds. But he's able to, like, consistently make contact, lift the ball, has a really good eye. Again, the shortcomings with him are... Hitting is about all he can do. He's about a average-ish to slightly below average left fielder. He's had some issues staying on the field and staying healthy. And he doesn't have a particularly strong arm. So he's really just limited to left field and DH work, which could limit his market. And then the third player that I've been looking at is Shintaro Fujinami, who's a uh, personal favorite of mine, I guess. I've been following him for a few years. He came up 
through the ranks in NPB with Shohei Otani. And as prospects, they were considered like very close, like almost equals as pitchers. Obviously, Otani is a much better hitter. And then Fujinami sort of developed some control issues. I think his walks per nine like skyrocketed. He was spending more time in the minors. He's pitched well as a relief pitcher in Japan. And he's been inconsistent as a starter. He'll have his stretches where he's really good and then some stretches where he's really bad and then he gets sent back down. They don't have just three option years in Japan. So he's been like up and down for like the last six years with the same team. So he's been going through like some consistency issues. But when he's on, he's a guy who can touch triple digits. He has like a harder splitter than Senga. His splitter can run up to like 91, 92 drops off at the end so again the same caveat with Senga would apply to him as well with his splitter but he doesn't have like the depth of his repertoire or necessarily the pitch ability that Senga shows so he might be more of a relief option in the free agent market I like how you said he was a tantalizing talent but the unpredictability of him is what makes him so interesting that makes him fun to watch too Yep. So, all right. So some guys out there to be mindful of. Senga sounds like he's going to get a a, a nice deal from someone, I think, at some point. All right. Ted Barta, thank you for joining us. You can follow his work at sportsinfosolutions.com. Yeah, thanks for having me. And this wraps up the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast for this episode. For Justin Stein, Bobby Scales, John Gibson, and Ted Barta, I'm Mark Simon. Thank you for listening to the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.